Cheers cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Don't you think you could forgive me? I don't know. At this moment, my feelings for you are ambivalent. I need to sort them out. I'm going to go out and wander the streets aimlessly. I'll take my usual route. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me to discuss what might be the second stealth pilot for the Frasier and Lilith show is the host of Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Please welcome back Al Sedano. What's up? Hey, Ryan. Glad to be back in the bar. Needed a drink. It's been a long week. Oh, yeah. Um, before we dive into Cheers in this episode, um, I gotta, I gotta throw it back at you. You have been doing a podcast about the cosmic arch enemies from Marvel Comics, Thanos and Adam Warlock. Thanos, I think by now is practically a household name. Yep. Um, but how does it feel to know that we're like two months away from the cinematic debut of Adam Warlock? Well, it's about time. <laughs> I did. I did the show, and everyone, you know, made it look like I was kind of hanging on the big popularity of a character. It's only fair to have the other one make it look like that too. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah! Get on that train! Woo! I'm excited. I hope it's a good movie. Oh, so do I. So, I mean, I want it to be good. I love Adam. And I've I've been a fan of the Guardians franchise. I don't think they've had a miss yet. So I'm I'm hoping whatever they do, it'll be fun, and exciting. I, I like the first two movies, and I really enjoyed the uh, holiday special. So. Same. I am. Fingers Same. crossed yeah. that we continue. Alrighty, then let's get back into the cheers of it all. We are at Season 6, Episode 5, The Crane Mutiny. <laughs> Written by David Angel, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, October 29th, 1987. Frazier is irritated that his girlfriend, Lilith Sternen, has given him an ultimatum regarding the future of their relationship. His initial displays of bravado and masculine independence, however, are poor attempts to hide his feelings of inadequacy and a fear that he might settle for Lilith because no other woman, like the beautiful Rebecca, for example, would find him desirable. Cliff and Norm decide to prank the good doctor and trick him into thinking that Rebecca has the hots for him. Not realizing how far Fraser would get carried away, the Barflies are shocked when Fraser breaks up with Lilith to pursue Rebecca, only to discover the truth that she has no idea who he is. Fraser tries to reconcile with Lilith, but is too embarrassed to admit that he scuttled their relationship for a woman who doesn't know his name, so he tells Lilith that he had an affair with Rebecca. Lilith goes to Cheers to confront Rebecca, who is understandably confused by the situation. The truth is revealed to Lilith moments before Fraser shows up to stop her. To shame and humiliate him further, Lilith demands that he break up with Rebecca, something he can't even do right when she plays along with the lie. At last, with the threat of losing Lilith forever, Fraser realizes what he really wants and asks her to marry him. Lilith accepts the proposal, and across the bar, Norm and Cliff feel vindicated that their prank had an happily appropriate ending. Alrighty, Al, what did you think of this episode? So the episode that te- explains, in case you weren't sure, this is why Fraser and Lilith got divorced eventually. Because <laughs> they should not have gotten married. 
Yeah, if the person is that much does not want to marry you, you should not get married get married to them. And you know, if you're only proposing because you're in trouble. I I actually know a couple and they're still together like right now like 15 years after the fact, but like he was trying to propose and she was just like kept like talking about something else and trying to change the subject. He got so frustrated that he threw the ring box at her and just said just do this yourself. He's like, I, he's like, I'm done. I'm not going to ask you if you're acting like this. And she was like, what? <laughs> she was like, and somehow they're still, they're still married and they have a family today. But yeah, of all well, the proposals. There's always an exception. Yeah. Of all the proposals, I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to be like angrily throwing the engagement ring at your future betrothed. When, if that's, if you've got long-term plans, but um. Yeah, uh, in, in just the previous episode before this one, Carla got married to Eddie LeBeck, we know, uh, and in this one we already have the proposal and a future wedding like set up. Uh, in fact, at Carla's wedding, she tossed the bouquet, and it fell right in Fraser's hands. So, ah, I don't so. know if they were really forecasting that much, but... Or if you want to get inside there, maybe that's what caused Lilith to all of a sudden start getting into the whole let's get married thing. I think what they're they're trying to do, and I mean, we we know where the Fraser and Lilith relationship will end if you're familiar, mm-hmm. if you know the history of this show. But between now and then, we're going to get a ton of great mileage out of them as a couple. Oh yeah, and I feel like at this point, this episode kind of establishes: okay, we lost something in the losing of Shelley Long and, and the Diane character. Obviously, the powerhouse of her her as a performance and the, the gravity of her as a character, but the natural flow of the romance between her and Sam is gone now. And we have this chemistry between Sam and Rebecca, but it's at a different level. And we've established from the get-go that he wants her, but it's purely physically. She wants nothing to do with him. She's actually got eyes for somebody else. So they're like Sam and Rebecca at this point aren't even like a will they won't they couple it's more just like he's gonna hit on her when he gets the chance and how many times is she gonna like tolerate that before she fires him it's just like a running gag it's not yeah even a, exactly yeah, we yeah don't... the Frasier and Lilith gives them a romantic will they won't they let's break them up get them together bicker yeah angle. exactly exactly I feel like they were trying to say okay who is going to be our? Who's going to take the reins of the love story? Will it be Carla and Eddie? Will it be Fraser and Lilith? And I think they just realized Fraser and Lilith is the more exciting couple to watch. Carla and Eddie are sweet, and we like them. But if you got if you if you got to bank on one couple, I mean, just going off of the success of the last time we saw them in in um, the previous season with dinner at Eightish, they're like, yeah, they, these these performers Kelsey Grammer and BB Newworth are magical together. We got to we got to do more with them. And I think they, that's why we see the acceleration of their relationship right now this early in the season. Yeah, they are. And plus I think the difference between the you either making a Carla or Lilith is that they both kind of have the two sides. I mean, like Carla has the caustic mean spot side, which you could then temper a bit with the romance, but I think it kind of kills a bit of her caustic side. But with Lilith, you have that really straight-laced, you know, thing, and it's funnier when that gets when all of a sudden she, you know, breaks down to my stallion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah, when Lilith b- breaks away from the Ice Queen, like the, the the like pulled like with the hair pulled back and the the frosty visage that we saw when we first met her, when she pulls away from that, she's a lot funnier. When Carla reveals a kind of sweet wholesomeness, <laughs> she's not less endearing, but it's just like that's not the Carla we agreed to. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like it's I'm intruding there. Yeah, like, yeah. like I shouldn't personal, like, I shouldn't I see that part of Carla. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that. No, no, Carla, you can keep that private. And she would punish us for seeing that part of her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, things, yeah, hair would be ripped off of faces. (laughs) Uh, so the teaser of this episode starts. I, I love the teaser in this one. Uh, it's very short, very very simple. But Woody comes in really excited because he's found a new apartment. He's like, it's got everything I could ever want. And they're like, what's that? A living room and a bedroom. <laughs> like, just, the boy dreams big. But I, I guess I'm just trying to think. Like, yeah, of course, Woody moving to the city for the first time, no money, just a bartender. So of course, he's probably living in a crappy efficiency apartment. Now he's got an apartment with two distinct rooms. Yeah, he's got to be living high on that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, and Sam looks at the editor. He's like, "Isn't this in Chinatown?" And Woody doesn't think so. And they're like, and like, so the guys kind of go through this thing and say, "Well, were there a lot of Chinese restaurants in the area?" And Woody's like, "Yeah, but that could be a coincidence." Were there a lot of signs in Chinese? And like, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Were there a lot of Chinese people? And he's like, ah, I'm, I'm not sure. You could be right. And Woody's like, I'm going to ask my landlord if anybody would know Mrs. Chung would. And it's, <laughs> it's – now, I, I like the joke. I like the setup, but I can't – like – Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I'm like, it, what's the point? Is it supposed to be there that it's far away? No, I, I, it's not really. I mean I've I've actually been to the, the Chinatown part of Boston, and it was perfectly pleasant. Like I, I – yeah, it's like – I, I don't know if they were. Just, they, there's some sort of implied. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's necessarily a xenophobia, but there's just some kind of implied elements of this, this is kind of below his standards, or like this is just yeah, just something about it just didn't didn't sit well with like yeah, the, yeah. the pres- presumption that there's something wrong with the fact that he would be living in the in the Chinatown neighborhood, mm-hmm. like other than it's just like. You're a very white kid, Woody. Like, what, what are you g- going to get along there? But, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that was the first thing I'm wondering. That and also wondering, like, God, last season he gave me the one where it looks like Sam beats up Diane. And now <laughs> I, have, I have this thing. I'm like, I really got to send Ryan a present. It really pissed him off. Yeah. Why am I getting all the ones that trigger people? <laughs> Problematic episode. Okay, give it a towel. All right, all right, Al. It's up to you to figure out how to not get us canceled. So. You're screwed. Um, but anyway, then after the opening credits, we come back. It's sometime later, and Woody, like, we're just, like, go, we're sticking with it, and Woody is really excited. Um, and I, I like this that they're actually, because now I feel like the second part kind of redeems that, at least for the sake of, like, a little bit of a joke. But he said his landlord is teaching him a, chi- a new Chinese word every day, and he's trying to incorporate it into a sentence. So he says, Have you guys seen any interesting munchos lately? Which does not help facilitate like understanding of the word based on that example, but he tells them that he tells uh, Carla that it's a the muncho means doorknob, and she's like, oh yeah, I've seen a couple of good munchos lately, and she points to Norman Cliff. So. I, I kind of wish they would continue that. I mean, I don't need him to have a word of the day every episode, <laughs> but I, I would really love it if, like, at some point, somebody came in who only spoke Chinese and Woody could speak to them. That, that would have been funny, actually. Like, just keep that going on, that Woody actually was taught Chinese by his landlord, <laughs> and eventually he was able to somewhat converse with people, and that would 
Like uh, that would just be a great thing to do, keep going on over like the six years. That would have been like a funny, like little idiot savant moment where, like, yeah, it's just like, of course, this kid just happened to learn Chinese over the course of just living there. But... I do love the conversation with Fraser there. Oh, yes, because yeah, they they bring the joke back. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Fraser comes in, and of course, he's in a bad mood, and what he says, you know, if you go to the bathroom, check out that the munchos have been cleaned recently, and Fraser is not interested in doorknobs. <laughs> and Woody's line is, no, you more important me? things. <laughs> it was bound to happen. <laughs> That is, I, I, as soon as I heard that line, I was like, that might be my, my home run for this episode. And it ends up, it's not, it's my runner up. But yeah, just Frazier is like, you understood oh, good. Me? And Frazier was just like, it was only a matter of time. <laughs> like, it's just like this note of finality. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Then I don't have to change mine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, about that later. yeah, I, I, yeah, I love, I love that line, the way Frazier delivers it. It's only a matter of time, but. Uh, so then the, the pretzel delivery guy shows up and he's talking to Sam and uh, Rebecca feels like ignored and that she, that uh, he's usurping her authority as manager and she has to kind of like step in and like negotiate with the uh, with the pretzel delivery guy and order one more set of pretzels than Sam in case just yeah, to sort of one up him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's, you know, like she, in in order to fully assert herself and feel like that she's not getting the proper authority, she takes the picture of Sam, Sam's baseball picture down from the bar, um, and he he chases her back to the office, kind of like mocking her with her voice. <laughs> she she puts that down. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny with as much as Fraser is, like you said, having feelings of inadequacy, So is Rebecca because. With the, with the exception of, like, playing along with Carla, but Sam's not really... I mean, let's get out of the whole sexual stuff there. Right. Sam's not really doing anything. It's not like he's, you know, jumping in front of her to do things. It's just the pretzel guy came in. Sam was used to you know, do that. He knows how it has to, has to be done. He's like, yeah, sure, pretzels, great, thanks. Right. Like, he's not really trying to observe her. It's more her feeling of, I'm supposed to be in charge doing this, so therefore, get out of my way. Right. Right. Which, yes, he is in charge. I'm not denying that. But he's not – like, it doesn't appear as like he's trying to take over for her. No, no, you're right. Yeah, he he doesn't, like, actively, like, seek it out. The pretzel guy goes to Sam because he recognizes him. They probably had yeah. this professional relationship for years. And the pretzel yeah, and- guy, even though – I, I mean, I don't know how often he does the deliveries, but uh, I, I guess this is the first time he's noticed that there's new management, new uh, new control of the bar. But um, Yeah, and Sam knows how many they need. Carla probably would be able to answer the same thing if Sam wasn't around. You know, no one else was around and Carla was there. Carla would know how many they need, too. She's yeah. like, yeah, four. Yeah so, yeah, so you're right. This is more Rebecca's own insecurity and feeling like like she hasn't – she hasn't, you know, really stepped up and, and dominated kind of the field in this way and that she needs to be more assertive and that will come back when she needs to put her picture up and we'll come back to that one later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fraser comes in needing a drink and, like, he he says that he and Lilith had this huge flight or fight and another, another joke, this one is for you, Al. He says he even considered striking her. And Thank you. He, he 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 catches up the joke. He's like, he wasn't without provocation. She did throw a chair at me, um, which I, I like that little inclusion. However, this is a joke they will make several times throughout the show. Fraser jokes about hitting Lilith, and actually, use he always uses the term striking Lilith. 
I think this joke comes – maybe he did it with Diane, but I think it's with him and Lilith. It's like three or four times throughout like the next six seasons. And mm. it's weird. Like, I mean, I guess like you can take it as the joke is supposed to be that he is so educated and kind of so pompous that you don't think of him as a physical threat. So him resorting to physical violence that way is so anathema to his character that that is the joke. But the fact but. that they keep coming back to it, the fact that they do it that many times, and I can't separate just what I know about Kelsey Grammer and the, the, the dark side of him. Like, I keep wondering, I was like, is, is there like this secret psychopathic part of Fraser Crane that wants to abuse people? Like, is that how badly Diane hurt, it hurt him that now, like, he's he wants to just, yeah. Just revenge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't thrilled that. I mean, yeah, the, like you, like you said, in taken on its own this one time, the thing of you know saying I considered briefly striking her because she threw a chair at me. <laughs> yeah, I, you can see that. It's like okay, somebody threw a chair, not even like a pan or a dish or something small, <laughs> right? Which still would be you know not good because I mean she's also resorting to actual violence, so also not good. But a chair, I mean, for one <laughs> thing, Lilith, like that's pretty impressive. Also, by the way, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, on its own, it's one thing to go, okay, you can at least go, okay, well, yeah, consider for a second, then dropped it. You did it. Good. But, yeah, when it comes up several times, yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe another reason why they, these two should not have got should not get married. <laughs> just saying. But also, I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. I just did the math in my head. It also kind of – I'm not trying to excuse it, but it also makes sense that they would – the writers would go to this. I mean, this is the 80s, and as it's closer in time – to the 50s than you know it, it we are to it sure and let's fit what was the one of the biggest sitcoms of the 50s the Honey yeah. and what is the biggest bang uh, zoom straight to the moon, to the moon. yeah he's he, he, he wasn't talking about the apollo program he was, yeah and he was, that show at that time was still running regularly on reruns that was still a popular joke yeah hell yeah you're absolutely right yeah. so i mean it's yeah, maybe it's like a little like oh, but on the other hand, it's like yeah, I can see why they would go with that because, well, that's still considered funny, right? Right. So okay, moving on. Um, Sam he tells Fraser, hey, just propose to Lilith and get it over with. You have no chance of resisting her. It's like you're not you're not that type of guy. Um, then as this is as Fraser is explaining this, we see the gang kind of sidle up to them. They were kind of chatting amongst themselves, but it's um, Norman Cliff and then the tertiary guys Tim and uh, and Alan, I think. Um, and they come up and they're just kind of like joking around and uh, trying to trying to buck up Fraser and make him feel better. When that's when he kind of like admits that you know it's it's more about his own feeling that you know if he marries Lilith, is he just settling for the woman, the one woman? Who kind of finds him sexy because he's never really found, he's never really been that, felt that way around other women. <laughs> I, I would say, isn't that a reason to marry somebody? Is that that's the person to find you sexy? He's like, oh, good. Just yeah, yeah. Um, Cliff has line, I wouldn't kick you out of bed for eating crackers. And he has made that joke before about in another context. He's like talking about something else. He says, I wouldn't, like, he was talking about a woman. He's like, I wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers. And I, I think Cliff is the only person I have ever heard make that joke, and I've heard him make it twice in the show. I love the way Norm looks at him, like, what? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, play it off, play it off. You know, you know what I mean, yeah. Um, where does 
Where does Cliff's guile come from here all of a sudden? I mean, it's this, this is impressive. An this is an interesting Cliff, and we'll we'll come to that just in a second. Um, yeah, because uh, Fraser's trying to defend Lilith, and he says she's a good woman, strong, durable, and reliable. And Norm says she would make a hell of a radial tire. <laughs> um, then we have this uh, amazing sight gag, this visual moment when they're they're trying to tell Fraser that yeah, Rebecca, yeah, she's got the hots for you. She, it's it's pretty well known fact, and Rebecca is at the other end of the bar, and. As Frazier is looking her way, Cliff is standing behind Frazier and waves very broadly to get Rebecca's attention. So Frazier just sees her looking their direction. And then uh, Nora, Cliff, sorry, Cliff smiles and she kind of like smiles back. And then he starts pointing to his lip and kind of pantomiming, you know, there's something there. So she starts licking her lips, very like trying to clean them or whatever it is. Frazier, of course, has no idea what Cliff is doing. He only sees Rebecca licking her lips as she's staring his direction. And he's freaking out, <laughs> like, like enraptured about this. And then Cliff is like, oh yeah, you got it. And he like gives her the thumbs up and a big, big smile, big wave. And she kind of like smiles back. And then Rebecca wave, walks off. Is an amazing moment for Cliff, and like you can actually hear, like like once once Rebecca walks away and like that little moment is over, like the studio audience, it's not like an ovation, but it's pretty close to it. They're like, that was impressive blocking, that was well done. And if you didn't know any better, you'd think Cliff was actually a good wingman when it comes to romance. If it wasn't the fact that I know other, you know, the show going forward, I would almost start to think. Wait, Carl is not just torturing Cliff. This is like paint the fence, Daniel son. I'm teaching you. You're learning <laughs> at my knee. Like that's like Carla level of guile and like, you know, sneaking around, you know, playing pranks and tricking people. Like that's I'm like that was impressive. Like where did that come from? Like he's been learning. Damn. Yeah. It's 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 diabolical and and Fraser is like so taken with it that he's like, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to go talk to her. I'm going to go. And he, he walks over to her office and he does talk to her at least. He, he does. He does. And at this point, the guys are thinking he'll say hi to her. He'll ask her out. She'll reveal that she has no idea who he is. He'll be rejected. He'll be embarrassed. He'll walk off and go back to uh, go back to um, Lilith. And the guys have had their fun. <laughs> That's all they're expecting from this. But unfortunately, Fraser chickens out when he goes to talk to her and doesn't actually ask her out so he doesn't get the valuable intelligence that she doesn't know <laughs> what it, who he is. He asked where the bathroom is. Yeah, and she points along the way, and he's like, well, she knows where to find me. And then he goes home, and they're they're still kind of like laughing that they pulled it over on him. But... The next time he comes back, then he has he tells them that he broke it off with Lilith to pursue Rebecca, and then now Norman Cliff are like, "What is going on?" And when he actually goes back to the office the second time to talk to her and to ask her out, we see Norman Cliff stand at the corner of the hallway by the phone, and Cliff get like squats down, like. So that they can like they don't want to be in eyesight. They're it's like they're hiding around the corner to watch this. And in order for them both to see, like Cliff is almost down on his knees. And again, like you're thinking, like couple that with like what he was doing before. It's like this is a different Cliff than we've seen previously. Yeah, Carl is leaving him alone, and he's getting to do stuff. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Maybe it's better that Carla keeps doing the same. He would cause a lot of trouble if he was left alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his ego would get too big. Yeah. 
<laughs> so once Rebecca actually uh, shows off that she doesn't know who he is, he freaks out and he goes screaming and running out of the bar. And Woody's like, Where, are you leaving? He's like, yeah, I have to convince the woman I love that I'm not an ass. And Woody's like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Woody, always acting, always one making us wonder, yeah. do you know? Do you yeah. not know? Yeah, it's like yeah, because that that line works. Yeah, yeah. Either way, um, but yeah, I love when he oh that whole scene when he gets home. Yeah, but, but before that, we get this the moment when Rebecca puts a picture of herself oh, on the right. bar uh, to broadcast that she, her manager status and her authority and behind her back. And again, this is another just the like the physical blocking and stuff of what's going on, but the audience can see that the characters can't. Because while Rebecca is talking to Carla, Sam starts defacing her picture with a marker. When she turns to Sam, Carla gets in on it and they kinda of do that whole thing and and the the voyeuristic element of the audience witnessing something that the character isn't privy to is just it, it they played off really well in this episode a couple of times. Yeah, it's it's really amusing, especially how they're both playing to her. It's like, oh yeah, we're all, we're on yeah, let's go, let's be on the same team, yay team. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we come back to our magical second set, the apartment of Fraser and Lilith, uh, which I said was last seen in the season five episode, dinner at eightish. Um, Fraser, he's he tries to hide the fact that he left this letter for Lilith. Um, and she lets him know that she saw the envelope, but she didn't read it. So she's like, what is that, theater tickets, symphony tickets, or something like that? And she says, or perhaps one of those cards with a handsome couple walking hand in hand on the beach at sunset that I cherish so. And it's like, oh, of, of course, like the most generic, lukewarm, like Hallmark to, Hallmark card, like the milk toast thing. That would be the thing that, that Lilith responds to. That's like, the thing that melts her. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, and Lee tries to deny it. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know me so well." Uh, here, here's a surprise. And he rips up the envelope and throws it to confetti, and she throws a drink in his face. And he's like, "Oh, you read it?" He's like, "Yeah, of you course." You lecherous I read it. quack! <laughs> quack! And then, and then, so he has already told us that she threw a chair at his head. She goes over to the table and grabs a bowl. Like she's, gonna, she's like, "You want your freedom? I'll give you freedom from your teeth." And he <laughs> screams, "No, Lilith, not the Royal Dalton." <laughs> It's one thing to throw things at me, but not that. Because yeah, they have to play up their, their elitist status. They're totally, he's like, no, that one costs a lot of money. <laughs> Come on. That one you don't want to throw. And, and of course, the, that, that almost kind of snaps her out of it because she, in a very sort of clinical fashion, realized that if she's thinking about destruction of property, she has clearly gotten carried away with her emotions. Yes. So I, I'm going to go wander the streets aimlessly. <laughs> I'll take my usual route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is it that her job is stressing her out that much that she has a usual route of wandering aimlessly, or is it for, or is it their relationship? Unknown. That's unclear. But yeah, makes um, me wonder. And again, Fraser could get out of this situation one way, but he's too much of a chicken in this moment because he says, "I didn't betray you. Nothing happened. There wasn't another woman." And she's like, so you dumped me because they're you, for the chance of getting with another woman? And he could have just said, yep, that was it. I was stupid. But instead, he thinks that sounds utterly pathetic and he doesn't want to admit that much. So he makes up a story about this sex crazed temptress or whatever. Um, this Cersei, and I was <laughs> yeah. gashed upon her shore. <laughs> 
Um, yes, it is serve Cersei. Yes, I love it. I'm like, oh God, of course. And and he he name drops Rebecca. He he admits that, and then, um, but he's like, you know, like let's let's draw a bath or whatever, and we can like calm down with this. But of course, as soon as he's out of the way, she's out the door. She goes to, uh, she goes to Cheers. But before we see her getting in, Rebecca catches them, you know, defacing her picture, uh, uh, them being Sam and Carla with the picture again. And she's like, I'm tired of d- doing this. She's like, let's compromise. You can, Sam, you can have your picture, your baseball picture back on the bar if you stop, you know, undermining his authority. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. We can, we can do that. Um, and uh, she, yeah, she makes a big deal about the, how the, the compromise. He's like, well, compromise is good. He's like, let's do another one. He's like, I want to sleep with you 25 times, and you don't want to sleep with me at all. So what's half of 25? You're intelligent. You're IQ. Yeah. You're IQ, yeah. And he, he sets out that he's, he's upset about people making fun of his intelligence. And she's like, well, I was making fun of your lack of intelligence. So Yeah, yeah the sexual harassment part is a little offset by the fact that she's the one getting better you know, jabs at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She clearly yeah. ease it a little bit that she's not the one in the you know because she's de- I mean she's the manager she's his boss so at least it's not him doing this to to because at least when Diane worked for him it was Diane wanted him too right you know we, it was very obvious that they both wanted each other but for whatever stupid reason that's you know at that moment they were or were not right so at least that made that a little easier because they want you know here he is going after somebody who does not want him but she's not he's not in position of power over her she's in position of power over him and at least in this episode she's getting the better lines on him right right yeah like his not game great. does not yeah his game does not work on her and and she's more than content at least to just hurt his feelings every time he steps out of line so. yeah it's not doesn't make it great but it makes it right better right yeah, and um, I mean, you also wonder, considering the fact that like a bit of a smile she had as she walked away after saying that to him, if that had, if she's allowing it to continue because she's getting the better of him. So it's almost like it's the ego boost, not of him hitting on her, but of her tearing him down. Yeah, as yeah, he, yeah. As he hits on her, you know, he yeah. hits on her, and then I get to mock him, and I walk away triumphant. Right, and it comes up later again because when she's talking to Lilith, because Lilith comes in then, and basically just. Assuming Rebecca is part of this relationship now, just starts unloading and talking about how Fraser is a hard man to love, and she says the sex is good, but he whines if you don't compliment his performance. Luckily, his ego can be placated with a simple thank you, Conan, which tells us more. I like, I like how it takes Rebecca a minute. She starts to talk and goes, "But anyway, wait, thank you, Conan." Yeah, she's like Conan. <laughs> And once Lilith knows the truth that she's just been played, she's duped. She's like he's he just lied because he's afraid of committing to her, and she feels terrible. And Rebecca can actually commiserate in this. She's like, yeah, I I feel the same. There's a guy I like who doesn't even notice me. And Lilith kind of looking down the the end of the bar, like at Sam. She's like, is it him? And and again, like Rebecca is like, no, 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 no. She wouldn't be. How does she say? She's like, I'm into the the you know Fortune 500 type who owns blocks, who doesn't play with them. (laughs) (laughs) And it's perfect because you just see them both kind of looking at Sam laughingly. And we cut over to the bar, and Sam is there going, "Hey, they're flirting with me." which is sort of a flip on what the way Frazier assumed that Fra- like Rebecca was flirting with him at the other side of the bar in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
But once Fraser comes in, Lilith insists that Fraser end his relationship with her and make this official. And she's like leading him to the office of Fraser Fates having a stroke or a heart attack. He's like, my, my, the left side of my arm has gone numb. You know what that means, right? She's like, yeah, you're stalling. <laughs> <laughs> so in the office, Lilith sets Fraser. She's like, Rebecca, you don't know me, but this is, I think it's time we clear the air. And Fraser is like, Rebecca, just don't say anything. I have to, something to say, and then we can just be gone. But remember, don't say anything. <laughs> remember that. Remember that's important. Yeah. Um, and then he just he like Fraser just does this farewell, but he even him he can't help himself. He gets caught up in saying goodbye, in describing her beauty and the the sensuousness of her her eyes and her hair. And Lilith kind of picks up on it. She's like, "What? Seriously? What's wrong with you?" And and Rebecca's like just playing along with it. She's like, how will I live without your sweet kisses? And Fraser hugs her. He's like, you won't have to. Like he's, he, that, that tiny little morsel of hope that she would find him, be into him, was enough. I will admit, now, until this was before she spoke, but up the moment before she spoke, her eyes, like her face started to soften a bit for a second. I'm like, wait, is it actually working? <sighs> and then she spoke. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. And then... And then Lilith storms off, and Fraser goes. He's like you, and he looks back at Rebecca. He's like, "You were just playing along, right?" And she doesn't even give him a line. She just gives him this look of incredulity, like, "Please leave." Get out of yeah. my-. So he throws himself on his knees and proposes, and I, it's I, it's hard yeah. to justify why exactly Lilith says yes. Otherwise, other than the plot needs it to be so, but. I mean, it's the plot. Is it just that this has been her focus so much that now she's getting what she wants, even if she probably doesn't want it as much anymore? You know, maybe she shouldn't want it anymore, but still, that was what she wanted in the beginning. That's true. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, she gave him the ultimate. She she wanted this proposal, and now she's basically stripped him of any excuse, any doubt um, probably most of his dignity, and <laughs> it's kind of like at this point she definitely holds the cards. So, yeah, she's she's in the position of power going forward. So there's that too. But yeah, it's like it's almost like she was pursuing. Maybe it's almost like she's been pursuing this so much single mindedly based on what we've been hearing from him that now that she's got it, right. even though if rationally she probably should not be wanting it now, mm-hmm. but that's what she wanted. And across the way, um, Norman Cliff end the episode by singing Matchmaker from Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, we finally got those kids together. Yeah, like this some this great accomplishment of theirs. Like they're these Machiavellian, you know, puppet masters in the back. <laughs> it's like, no, you're five-year-olds who just, you know, accidentally t- turned the stove on and managed to have them boil the water by accident. <laughs> you're just, they're just lucky they didn't burn the house down, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm watching this going, I don't remember if I've seen this before. It's like, that's okay. Well, now I understand why they got divorced eventually. This is not a good sound foundation. Yeah. I mean, you could almost think Sam and Diane might have had a better foundation for a marriage. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess, like, well, I said almost. Yeah. What are the circumstances about their proposal the last time we talked? Yeah. Last time we got out yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, at least, yeah, at least uh, Fraser and Lilith weren't in a court of law with one of them facing jail time. But at least they got to do it. I mean, at least Sam and Diane, when he, you know, he was able to get out of it, and he didn't. He didn't want to. He could have walked away. Right. Frazier, it's like he's backed in a. He's only doing it because he's backed in a corner, one hundred percent, and there is no escape afterwards. I didn't well, say it's a lot better. Yeah. yeah. Degrees. Degrees. Right. 
but for the sake of the show, I mean, as much as we argued, you know, Sam and Diane should not have gotten married, and oh, had overall. they had they proceeded with their marriage, like that would have upended the entire dynamic of Cheers the show, and and it might not have been able to continue as it did. That that would have just changed everything had they gotten married. Um, unlike them. For at least the foreseeable future, Fraser and, and Lilith, regardless of the nature of how, how they propose and like w- what this might pretend, we want to see their relationship going forward. We want to see a whole lot more of their characters. That's why I said this one could almost be like another stealth pilot for their own show. But luckily, they decide that for the near future, at least, this romance will kind of be one of the front and center things driving the show as... Sam and Rebecca as the male and female lead, their chemistry and their that like they they will at least kind of be on the back burner. You know, it, it's yeah. going to take a while for for their relationship, assuming they have one, which we know whether or not they do. Um, th- that that won't get going for a little while. In the well, meantime, plus, we yeah. Well, other... plus the Fraser and Lilith thing doesn't like you said. It, however, it ends doesn't have the chance of ruining the show. Right. Or causing it to end early. They could get married. They could not get married. They could stay together. Whatever they want to do, will they, won't they, back and forth. It's a big thing for the show, but it's not the thing for the show, which was Sam and Diane. So the problem is eventually it's like, well, you know, they either get married or we get rid of one of them or we have to find some way for them not to be together because right. there's only so long you can play. Sometimes there's only so long you can play that before it starts to get boring. Right. Like, okay, what reason this season you know, we're in season 10. Oh, my God. <laughs> so at least this one is better for the show. The show can just have fun with it. If they don't need it, it's not that important. It's not as important to keep on the front forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of other trivia or little notes for this episode, um, since since Rebecca always kind of refers to, except for Woody, but she, she frequently refers to Sam and Carla more formally as Mr. Malone and Ms. Tortelli. Um, this one she calls Carla Mrs. Lebeck. Uh, it's yep. the first time she calls her by Carla by her new her new married name. So, yep, there was that, and also apparently uh, two things I saw. One, the picture Rebecca puts up of herself is one of her own headshots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and apparently, also, although I had trouble, I tried to watch it again, but I couldn't see that part before we had a chance to record. Is that while Fraser is breaking up with Rebecca in her office? When Rebecca walks towards Fraser, the shadow of the boom mic is cast on her hair as she walks beneath it. I didn't see that. I didn't even notice. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that happens. It happens a lot, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all I saw too. So Um, for Norm's tab, uh he had four beers this episode, which brings his total for the series up to four hundred and ninety nine. Will he crack the five hundred number in the next couple of years? We'll find out. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, 499 for the series up to this point. So close to that milestone. So. Oh, one thing I did look up real quick because I wanted to – I was just curious if it meant anything, but it wasn't as good as I ho- hoped it would be. When uh, when Carla calls Woody Festus. Yeah. Remember when he, he talks yeah, about Oh, yeah, yeah. Festus? Yeah. Festus apparently is one of the main deputies on Gunsmoke. Hmm, okay. I, I looked up the bit to see about the character to see if like we were talking like a uh, – what was it? Who's it? Don Knotts? Yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the other. Sh- on op- uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, like that kind of character. But no, he's just the sidekick. But I think that's all she's doing. She's calling Woody a side. You know, the sidekick. Sure. The yeah. Yeah. I didn't know enough about Gunsmoke. I I, I had to look it up. 
Yeah, I've, never, I've, I've never, I know of it by name, but I've, I don't think I've ever seen an episode, so I couldn't tell you anything about the characters. But yeah, the all I know about Gunsmoke is I have to keep reminding myself Matt Dillon is not actually the Matt Dillon that's the character. <laughs> He's not that old. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, employee of the week. Who was your MVP for this episode? It's got to be Frazier. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, this is a Frazier episode, and he did a great. I mean, he he does excellent with not just the words, the speak the lines, but the physical comedy. You know, I yeah. mean, him trying to get away, get out of being going dragged in Rebecca's office. Mm-hmm. You know, the dragging, the pulling, the clutching at his chest. <laughs> yeah, and. So far in the episodes with Lilith, because she's only appeared on a handful of episodes, this might be her. Is this her fourth or fifth appearance? Only, I don't remember. I'd, I'd have to. I. I. I'm worse, I feel like she's so much more of an established presence. But now I'm thinking this might only be her. Yeah, because she really wasn't in that many when they had dinner at Eightish. Right. She, this might only be her fourth or fifth appearance. Maybe her fifth. Um, but in those episodes, like a, a lot of time, I mean, we're we're so used to Frasier, and Frasier is such an like a, a reliable, great character. But a lot of times, she kind of overshadows him in, when we're dealing with them as a couple. But the, and I, so I kind of thought I was like, all right, maybe this one will be a Lilith episode. But no, after watching it, I was like, yeah, this really is Frasier's to take. He, he owns this one, and it's a it's a really good one. Um, this is I, I just checked uh, according to IMDb. This is her fourth episode fourth one okay so she just had the one appearance in season four mm-hmm. and then and two then, two episodes last season it's the, yeah. the one when they get back together they start dating and then dinner at eight-ish was only her her next yes. one so yeah okay yeah, yeah abnormal psychology and then dinner at eight-ish yeah and, and she does appear a lot more in this season yeah yeah and, and i mean like within a couple of seasons she's a i mean she'll she'll actually become a regular with her name in the credits later on down the road yeah but, i remember that for like a year or two and then yeah. like she's and then t- towards the end she's out yeah yeah but um, for the home run, uh, for the best gag, I, I mentioned the, my runner up was, you understood me? He's like, yes, it was only a matter of time. <laughs> um, I, I think my actual, my favorite thing is just the entire, the entire gimmick with Cliff gesturing to Rebecca and like waving at her and her going back at that and like the way Frazier thinks that she's flirting with him. Um, just that, that sort of silent, entirely physical, like nonverbal exchange. I think it was just really, really well done. Yeah, no that that is definitely up there. I mean, that was excellent. Mm-hmm. That was I mean, that was wow. Like Ratzenberger, good job. Oh, no, I, I mean, like I almost get like I, I briefly considered. I was like, is is Cliff the MVP of this episode just because of that moment? But nah, I couldn't I couldn't take it away from Fraser. But that was yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, my two runner ups for MVP were either Lilith or Cliff. So yep. it had to be like if it wasn't Fraser, it was going to be one of the two of them. Yeah, and him just really just for that little bit right there. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, my my home run is that bit of Woody tell, asking Fraser about you know look at the munchies in the uh, bathroom. He's like, I don't time for doorknobs. You understood <laughs> me, and it's not just the line; it's the haunted look in his eyes of oh my god, my day has gotten so worse. <laughs> I thought it was bad enough, but this happened now. What this... has happened to me? And that look in his eyes of it was bound to happen. I, I I frequently talk about how Cheers is just a gravity well that pulls everybody down and just like makes the the smartest, most 
professionally and intellectually decorated people just get sucked into this this swamp of a bar and just destroyed. And this is one of those lines that kind of like reinforces that. And like later on, like Fraser will actually joke about having an alcohol problem and what Cheers has done to him. But like, yeah, this is just one of those things. Like, yes, I've spent enough time with Woody that I'm actually. I understand you now. Because <laughs> he didn't even think about the fact that Woody was saying that to him. He just responded normally <laughs> and then realized what happened. It was like, oh my, that whole look in his eyes, that haunted look of terror and everything. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like he was a character in a Lovecraft movie story <laughs> and just saw some kind of, na- you know, lurking terror that was going to make him go mad. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're you are right. I was actually thinking about your line about that when I saw that part. It's like, oh yeah, Cheers just sucks everyone down to the same level. <laughs> and unfortunately, that level is Norm. <laughs> yeah, there's like a there's a moment with Lilith like later on down the line, I know where she comes in and she's feeling like a failure as a person, a failure as a mother. And she tells him, she's like, do you make a drink for failures? And he's like, hang on. And he turns to Phil, uh, Phil Perlman, like, who's played by uh, Carla's, Carla's father. And he's like, Phil, what are you drinking? He's like, a Manhattan. And he's like, yeah, well, here's a Manhattan. <laughs> That's the drink for failures. <laughs> oh, poor Phil. All right. Oh, God. Well, Al, thank you very much for coming back on the show. Uh, always a pleasure to have you. Um, where else can people find you in the podcastosphere? Well, like you said before, my main show is Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. It's, well, all about the Marvel characters, Adam Warlock and Thanos. Or I guess I should say now, the uh, MCU movie stars, Adam Warlock and Thanos. Yeah, by the time uh, this episode drops, I think we'll just be two months away from uh, the next Guardians movie, so... It would probably help with me to say, yeah, so just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos, whatever podcatcher you like to use, or go to Twitter at AdamThanosPod. Very cool, very cool. All right, thanks to all of you out there who listen to CheersCast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Uh, No, no, please, please, don't try to articulate your feelings. Uh, Just let me say my little piece, and then I'll be out of your life forever. Now, just remember the the part about not saying anything. (laughs) I know it sounds like a a cliché to to say that this is going to hurt me more than it does you, (laughs) but it doesn't make it any less true. For you see, it is I who will be condemned never again to see your haunting eyes, your silken skin, your shimmering hair. But it's, it's time that we part. Farewell, sweet Rebecca. How will I live without your passionate kisses? You won't have to. Fraser, oh. <laughs> for God's sake, she was only joking. Well, so was I. Come on. I was just playing along. I'm a dead man. <laughs>